You're listening to RTNT, Radio Totally Normal Toronto. My mental illness allows me to be more compassionate. I don't let it stop me from what I have to do in life. My mental health helps me relate to other people. I'm not afraid of it anymore. I'm at peace with my mental illness. Mental illness saved my life. My mental illness has helped me learn about myself. It's given me a new outlook on life. Everyone and welcome to Radio Totally Normal Toronto on CJRU 12:80 a.m. and CJRU.ca. My name is Ray, and I'll be your host for today's show. Radio Totally Normal Toronto, or RTNT for short, is produced by the members and staff of Progress Place, a mental health recovery center in downtown Toronto. In today's episode, we'll explore the relationship between mental health and access to healthy food. To help us understand the issue, RTNT member Jerry interviewed the executive director of FoodShare. Paul Taylor. Foodshare helps marginalized people access healthy produce. One of their more popular programs is the Good Food Boxes, a box of fresh produce, mostly local and some organic, made available for a small fee in comparison to grocery stores. All right, so let's get to that interview. This is Progress Place member Jerry with Paul Taylor from Foodshare. Hello and welcome to Radio Totally Normal Toronto. We're here with a guest. His name is Paul Taylor and he's from Foodshare. And we'd like to ask him a few questions. First off, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you became the executive director director of FoodShare? Absolutely, and thank you for having me today. I'm really happy to be here. It's a real treat. Um, yeah, so I'm the executive director at uh, FoodShare Toronto. I've been in this role for just under a year. Um, I would say probably the most important experience that I've ever had that's kind of led me to to do this work is growing up as a poor kid in downtown Toronto. I think um, I, like many poor kids, interacted with the shame that I think is often bestowed upon people who are materially poor. And I went through a journey of trying to figure out kind of how I wanted to direct my energies towards challenging that shame and what I could be doing to help support a better system and kind of understand poverty and what we could be doing so that um, other children uh, in Toronto didn't have to be hungry. So I started my journey um, doing things like uh, joining, getting involved in food banks. Um, I worked at a homeless youth shelter. And I started to quickly realize that I felt like those things were largely, very important, but largely band-aids and didn't get to the root causes of poverty. Um, So I stumbled upon uh, FoodShare and uh, learned quite a bit about uh, the work of FoodShare and was really inspired and excited to to apply and get involved. Um, Could you describe the programs and services of FoodShare? Certainly. I'll start with, um, so FoodShare has been around for quite a while. We're a nonprofit organization that opened in 1985 uh, that works with communities and schools to deliver healthy food and food education. And at the cornerstone of our, our thinking and our beliefs is we believe that everyone deserves access to affordable, high-quality, fresh produce. So um, since 1985, uh, since we first opened, FoodShare has pioneered a whole bunch of innovative programs. Uh, the Good Food Box. Uh, we've also impacted, I think, what kids eat in school. We've improved the way people eat and grow food across Toronto every day. 
So we have a, a, a plethora of programs and initiatives. Um, the first one I can talk about is uh, our student nutrition work. So we're really, uh, we recognize that Canada is one of the only industrialized countries without um, a school food program. So uh, Food Share, along with a couple other organizations, we work together to model what uh, school food programs could look like across the city. So we work together to feed, um, we provide um, breakfast or an early morning meal to over 200,000 kids in the city of Toronto uh, every day. We also, a couple of other, other initiatives include things like a mobile produce market. So we're able to take that market um, to places where we know there are high concentrations of people who struggle with access to food, whether it's um, around issues of affordability or issues of um, uh, living in a, in a food desert. We, the Good Food Box is a, is a significant one of our initiatives. We uh, distribute 2,000, approximately 2,000 uh, boxes a month. So the way that works is someone in the community can say, well, I'm concerned about access to produce in my neighborhood. So what we, um, so it relies on the energies of member, of community members. So someone will say, all right, well, I know there are seven other folks or eight other folks in my community who would also benefit from accessing a box of uh, beautiful, vibrant produce that um, um, a lot of which is local. Um, so what happens is that, that one person kind of coordinates for the rest of the other eight folks and um, lets us know how many boxes to deliver and we deliver a box of beautiful local mostly local uh, fresh produce so we start with a box that's a small conventional box that costs $13 and it goes up from there yes I know all about that because a couple of years ago somebody from the from progress place the staff one of the staff told us about um, going to st. James Church and um, it actually, the first Tuesday of every month, you pay $5, and then two weeks later, you get the box, the green box. Exactly. Yeah. And it, it goes according to what you can get in that season. Absolutely. That's That's how they do it. So it's, um, you know, last year, I think 54% of the contents of the Good Food Box were local, 6% uh, were organic. Um, we, we also offer, um, because we know um, there are some international favorites as well, so we also um, sell imported products in the Good Food Box as well, especially in the winter, because we know that um, some folks, you know, love mangoes and they should be able to have their mangoes. We all deserve to have that beautiful, wonderful produce. So I, I just, I just love the work that we do, and that uh, groups like St. James Church uh, are involved in. It. So we are able to subsidize the, some of the infrastructure costs. An organization like, or a group like St. James Church, um, will hold independent fundraisers, from what I understand, to be able to make it even more affordable to folks that they work with. And I believe they're able to uh, sell their good food box at five dollars. So actually, throughout all of our initiatives, there's a ton, we delivered uh, in 2016 2.2 million pounds of produce across Toronto. So we are, um, I would say, one of the largest nonprofit food distributors in the country. Could you tell us a little bit about how FoodShare works? 
One of the things we do as an organization and have done for many years is we leverage the fact that we are a nonprofit organization and we're able to secure donations and grants. So what that does, so the way most people um, access fruits and vegetables is through a grocery store. So it means we are at the whim of what that grocery store, what that corporation decides to charge. Foodshare says, wait a minute, there's another way that we could look at doing this that supports people who are the most nutritionally vulnerable, especially. And so what that is, is like I say, we leverage the fact that we are a nonprofit or charity that is able to secure donations and grants. And that helps cover some of the overhead or infrastructure costs associated with uh, food distribution. So if we are able to find grants that cover the cost of the driver, the warehouse, and that sort of thing, well, then we're able to then, unlike most for-profit food distributors, we're able to charge a marginal markup on the produce um, and still have it be affordable. So we, a little over a year ago, uh, moved from downtown Toronto, uh, which I think is key. We moved from downtown Toronto to um, Black Creek and Eglinton. Um, So we're uh, working in a community where the median income is slightly over $20,000. And I think... I, th- I think that's uh, been really intentional on our part um, because we recognize that the geography of poverty in Toronto is shifting from the core of the city to the periphery. So uh, we're closer to some of those communities, but also for a number of reasons, I think this location is pretty ideal for the farmers that we work with. Um, they say delivering to us at Black Creek and Eglinton is much easier than trying to make their way through uh, downtown Toronto traffic. Uh, it can be pretty pretty hairy. And then for us and our trucks, we've got 14 vehicles that distribute food. So to be able to get onto the road, um, it's a little bit easier than trying to navigate from downtown Toronto. As much as I love downtown Toronto, uh, uh, driving through it can be quite challenging. What are the most important concerns FoodShare has as an organization right now? I would say continuing to um, push conversations around the systemic causes of poverty and food insecurity. Simply put, people not having physical, economic access to the food that they need to to survive. I would say that um, also um, that that would need to be culturally appropriate as well. I think that's particularly important in the Canadian context. In Canada, we have something called the right to food, um, which our government doesn't talk about a heck of a lot. But um, what that means is it doesn't mean that the government is responsible for um, giving, handing out free food. It means that our government's responsible for creating the conditions that allow people to access the food that they need to survive. I think uh, one of the things that inspires me about Food Share is that we're willing to have conversations about race and poverty, things like mental health and poverty. I think when we talk about race and poverty, actually when you look at Toronto as a whole, one of the things we know is that 12.6% um, of Torontonians live in a food insecure household. But when we talk about racialized communities, where that number increases to 25 to 29 percent, in particular Indigenous and African Canadian communities. So what that means is that our work, uh, central to everything that we do, we want to make sure that the interventions that we develop uh, have an impact on those most affected by food insecurity and poverty, uh, in particular racialized communities. So one of the things, again, that really excites me about food share is that we're willing to have these tough conversations to say, you know, there are things that communities 
community organizations can do to support people's access to, to produce and to wonderful, beautiful food. But there, there's also a role for a government to play. So when policies are set that keep people's incomes low, so low minimum wage um, or not having livable wage, um, the amount of money that people receive on social assistance, whether it's ODSP or welfare, really, um, in my experience in speaking to folks, I've learned that that really gets in the way of people being able to access the beautiful, vibrant produce that fills our warehouse. Um, so a lot of our work is focused on making sure that people have that access, but also encouraging all levels of government to work towards actualizing the right to food. So that was RTNT member Jerry interviewing Paul Taylor from Foodshare. You may have heard Paul mention that in Canada we have the right to food. Canada has ratified the International Covenant on Economic, Social, and Cultural Rights. This means that the government of Canada has the obligation to allow people to feed themselves as part of living a dignified life. It is considered a human right to be free of hunger as well as to have physical and economic access to adequately nutritious food. Especially here in Toronto, due to the high cost of living, many Torontonians are forced to make sacrifices when it comes to food. I know that I definitely have made that sacrifice before, and I'm not alone in that. All right, so that's a lot of information, so why don't we take a break with some awesome Canadian music? This is Mind Hijacker's Curse by Chad Van Galen from the album Light Information. You're listening to RTNT on CGRU 1280 AM and CGRU.ca. That was Chad Van Galen with Mine Hijacker's Curse. And now back to that interview between RTNT member Jerry and Paul Taylor from Foodshare. What connections do you see between healthy food and mental health? Hmm. So I, I would start with, I remember as a child, I uh, went to elementary school in Kensington Market. And I would spend um, kind of after school walking through Kensington Market. And like I said, we were materially poor. So I remember uh, seeing this beautiful produce, mountains of it, actually. And it wasn't for me because we couldn't afford it. So that had an impact on me as a child, you know, I think. And, I, and, I'm, uh, and, and when I think about my family, I think about the challenges that uh, my mother faced as a single mom trying to raise two boys, two boys with big appetites, um, and the kind of stress that that creates. Um, and for her, she eventually um, began to suffer from depression. So it was something that um, certainly had a ripple effect um, so I think it's really important for us to combine those com those conversations around mental health and nutrition. We know that basically what people eat directly affects the function of their brain and often their moods. There have been uh, tons of studies that have shown a correlation between what someone eats, um, particularly when they're having a diet that's high in refined sugars and the impact that that has on brain functioning and even sometimes worsening symptoms of uh, mood disorders uh, and things like depression. Who accesses the programs run by Foodshare, and what areas do you serve service? 
Um, so I would say it really runs the gamut who accesses our programs. I think one of the ways we try and challenge the stigma that's sometimes connected with chari charity and accessing charity is that our programs are universal. So they are intended for everyone. So that there isn't a lineup of poor kids, there isn't a lineup of poor folks that say this is the this is the place where you go if you don't have a lot of money. This is for everyone. So I would say that's uh, one key piece. And our mandate is to really work across the city of Toronto. So we work in a whole bunch of communities um, right across the city. How long has Food Share been around? Yeah, so Foodshare has been around uh, a little over 30 years. We opened on September 26, 1985. Long before you were born, I'm sure. <laughs> How does growing, preparing, and eating healthy food build community? Food is this beautiful, magical tool that um, you know that we can use to teach, to and uh, to teach, to share, to talk about our traditions of food, our relationships with food. Um, I also uh, think just food is something that brings us together. We all have to eat, um, you know. So being able to, you know, one of the things that I love at Foodshare uh, in terms of bringing people together around food is every day. Uh, well, because we recognize the power of food, we actually all stop what we're doing. Um, any of our guests, our volunteers, our staff, anyone that's in the building, and we eat together. So we have um, our chef prepares lunch for the team, and we sit and we eat together. And it's like the largest family dinner you've ever seen. And it's wonderful because the conversations that are had over food are, I think, conversations that we, we may not have simply sitting uh, next to each other or working together you know we share recipes we share um, ingredients recommendations all kinds of things so I think food has this incredible kind of power to bring people together and I also think though that food allows us to having conversations about food allows us to have other types of conversations as well or, or can provide can be an entry point into some of those conversations whether they're around equity around social justice around access to food who's growing our food, what, is the, what does their experience look like, um, and all those types of pieces. What does food justice mean? I think food justice means, um, one, recognizing that we have unequal access to food, and uh, two, that there are systems that uh, create that unequal access, and then three, actively working to dismantle um, the systems that cause people to have unequal access to food. So like I, talk about, um, like I talked about earlier, I'm recognizing that Indigenous and African-Canadian communities in Toronto are, um, have higher incidences of uh, food insecurity. So making sure that our interventions and our work alongside community really make sure that we're dismantling, not just uh, responding to urgent need around food, but actually working to dismantle those systems that cause people to be poor. Do you have a specific example of how food justice might affect someone living with mental health? I think, um, you know, things, conversations that I've heard um, and been a part of are around things like ODSP and the amount of money that someone receives on ODSP. Um, is not a lot and I think there that is a system that our government has put in place that um, keeps people that uh, makes it more difficult for people to access uh, the food that we need to, to grow and survive so I think um, 
Having those types of conversations and, and taking a look at what is it that someone on ODSP or, or social assistance or who's a low-wage worker, what is it that they need to make to enable them to be able to access the food? Do you have anything else you'd like to add? Uh, in terms of volunteer opportunities, we have all kinds. There are so many things that we do. Um, there's a huge plethora uh, of opportunities. It runs the gamut from um, helping with uh, packing the good food box. You know, we have a ton of volunteers who come each week who help us with packing for the good food box. And what we do is uh, we also give them a free good food box to thank them for their efforts. And they sit and join us for lunch, of course, because they're for a free lunch. They're volunteering and helping us with our mission. So we sit and eat together. And I'm, I think that's really neat because I think it's one of the ways that we get to know the people that volunteer with us. You know, we're breaking bread together. Um, and it challenges this kind of idea of, um, uh, you know, this hierarchy where you never get to meet the people that uh, are in management or executive directors in an organization. We all are eating, breaking bread together. You know, there are pretty much every time I sit down for lunch, I um, get people telling me all kinds of ideas, feedback about our work and our programs. And uh, I think that's invaluable. So it's, it's, it's I'm really fortunate. Okay. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. You're listening to RTNT on CJRU 1280 AM and CJRU.ca. And that was Jerry speaking with Paul Taylor from FoodShare. If you'd like to know more about FoodShare or to get involved, you can visit their website at foodshare.net. Or you can also find them on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at FoodShareTO. And that just about brings us to the end of our show. RTNT will be back on April 11th at 3 o'clock p.m. and every second Wednesday of the month thereafter. Until then, make sure to check us out on RadioTotallyNormalToronto.org and to listen to more episodes on iTunes or SoundCloud. You can also follow us on Twitter at Progress underscore Place and Facebook and Instagram at Progress Place Clubhouse. RTNT is produced by the members and staff of Progress Place, a mental health recovery center where we serve three healthy meals per day every day to all of our members. Once more, thank you to Paul Taylor from FoodShare for sharing some food for thought with us today and to all of you listeners for tuning in. To close out, here is Pleasure by Feist. <laughs>